It's time to get after it. You're going to jam your legs down and hyperextend your ankles and then shoot back up and lock your knees in place. Not one of those things sounds right to me. And welcome into the Upper Left Performance Podcast. I am your host, Jack Anderson. And today on the show, we are bringing in uh, my friend and uh, probably one of my biggest influences in the field, Sean Light. Sean is the CEO of 4A Health Club. He's also the founder of the 4A Health Club, in which he helps young strength coaches develop their uh, talents and skills uh, in order to make themselves more viable within the industry. Sean is an education and networking guru. Um, He has really taken a deep dive into entrepreneurship over the last couple years after spending uh, the early part of his career as a strength and conditioning coach for both the Arizona Diamondbacks and then later on the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Sean's insights into neurology and uh, the brain and how it governs all other aspects of uh, performance was really insightful. Um, It's always captivated me, so we get into a nice discussion about that here. And uh, then further and get a little deeper in talking about how athletes, elite athletes, they do work hard, but they don't work hard in the way that a lot of us perceive that they, that they, that they do. Um, we kind of have a preconceived notion of, of what hard work is and what good strength and conditioning and athletic development is. And these athletes kind of defy those, those preconceived notions. And Sean talks about that quite a bit. Um, on the program as well. Finally, we go in depth a little bit on Sean's venture into the 4A Health Club and how he's been looking to grow his business. Um, This is an excellent conversation, in my opinion, probably the best I've had on the show, um, where Sean just gives you great insight on both the, the nuts and bolts of being a better strength and conditioning coach, and then also how to market and sell yourself as a strength and conditioning coach, whether you are a personal trainer, whether you are uh, a strength and conditioning coach looking to further your career in terms of getting into the, uh, the pro or collegiate sector, uh, you name it, Sean has an answer for it, and uh, the answers can be found here on this podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and without further ado, here is my guy, Sean Light. Sean, thanks a lot for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. This is kind of, this is the white whale that I wanted to get on the show early on to, uh, <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> you know, boost the, boost the numbers and have a good conversation with us. So thank you so much for being on. You got it, brother. Appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. Um, uh, so let's just jump right into it. Um, obviously you're doing a lot of stuff. Um, and this is the reason why I have, you know, invested a lot of my time and, and, and some of my money in, into, uh, your model and what you're doing. Like you're doing some stuff that I think really just is going to shift the industry and is making pe- is going to make people think about uh, old school strength conditioning and what we need to do to kind of move away from it and evolve the model. Um, so just give me kind of a bird's eye view of, of your Gen Max model and maybe for a health club uh, before we dive into the nitty gritty. So Gen Max is, sh- is short for genetic maximum. That is my attempt at marketing. Uh, and Gen Max is essentially how, <clears throat> how somebody can actually achieve their genetic maximum, the, the amount of ability that God has blessed you with, uh, how can you actually get there? And it all was born, uh, during my time in professional sports, because, uh, what I was finding, and I grew up as a kid who wanted to be in the NBA so freaking badly, uh, that I would work out, I mean, tirelessly. And I was just adding more volume and more volume and working out. And I thought the hotter it was outside, the better of a basketball player was going to make me. Uh, and then finally I ended up making it to the NBA as a strength and conditioning coach. And, uh, I see that all these guys are not, even close, their preparation is so much different than the preparation that I was told on how to get there. And if I had known that it was something else, I would have done that. So, you know, I started asking questions about like, what are we actually teaching kids on how to make it to the NBA? And, uh, you know, I was thinking things like, you know, should I be taking it? Should kids be taking advice from people who have never even been there, who have never been behind the closed doors, who have never seen uh, an NBA weight room? Uh, and personally, what I think is that uh, it's just this massive case of imposter syndrome out there of people just telling you what is like the right thing to say on how to make it to the NBA. And it's just completely 
completely wrong. And, and this goes for the MLB too. I worked in professional baseball as well. Uh, and it's all the same. Like uh, I think you'd be all, I think every single person listening to this podcast right now would be incredibly stunned if they could walk through the double doors of an NBA MLB weight room and see the workout that's going on right now. There's somebody listening in your audience and Jack, you might, might be one of these people too, uh, whose warm up is harder than an NBA work workout. And that's not to say that these guys don't work hard. They just work differently than everybody else. And what I wanted to do and sitting in that environment and seeing this was I wanted to bring that reality to the strength and conditioning world and bring it to these kids who are trying to make it to the NBA and give them the really good information of actually how you get there. Because I was there. I saw it. I saw it in all the teams. We went into all the visiting. We went into all the team's weight rooms. I watched their teams work out. I watched my team's work out. Uh, I mean, I've seen it. So I'm trying to show people that. So uh, and what it really comes down to is it comes down to neurology. Uh, comes down to single leg stance, gait mechanics, respiration, and then we can get into classic strength and conditioning. But the the model that we've been following for so long is so isolated, and it is so uh, you know we're looking specifically at what strengthens a muscle and what maybe uh, gives you numbers inside of the weight room with a complete disrespect to what your sport is all about and how a human body actually functions and what it actually takes, what a, what an NBA or MLB body actually looks like. Uh, if you really look at these guys, NBA players are skinny uh, and MLB players have dad bots, right? So it's like, what are we really trying to get to uh, with this training program that you are uh, you are creating. So that's really what the idea behind that is. And, you know, the 4A health club, like you mentioned, that's, that's my, uh, you know, that's my online, let's call it accountability. I think, what do they call it in uh, the office? If you ever watched the office and uh, the Dwight institutes the accountability booster. Yeah. You get a shroot buck for every time you do something good. Yeah. 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 But, and, and and, uh, so, so I think like the four health up for me is, is my strength and conditioning online accountability booster where you can go in there and you can stay up to date on what's happening to keep learning and progressing in the right way. And, you know, because I have such a, I have the entrepreneurial fever. I want to make sure that that's included in there as well, because I think uh, what's important for strength coaches and personal trainers to understand is that, you know, if we're really talking about success in your career, you can know anything you want about neurology or strength and conditioning. It will not matter if you don't have some sort of entrepreneurial savvy to you. So uh, I wanted to bring that to that, to that platform as well. Um, so you got me thinking a lot here. Let's stick on the Gen Max model for a little bit before we shift over to the entrepreneur side of things. But um, cool. you got me thinking about this a lot. So do you th- what do you think has perpetuated this myth? Because I, I'm, I'm in lockstep with you on this. I agree completely. Um, yeah. what, what's perpetuating this myth? Is it just American culture where we just love hard work so much that we just, lo- just have to do it? Or yeah, is it actually? Is it, I, I think it's I think it's the complete opposite. Oh, really? And the, and the reason I think it's complete opposite is is probably a little different than 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 what you're thinking. Uh, I think the thing is that we love the easy way, and that's why it's happening because uh, learning this is way harder than learning ah. a classic strength and conditioning model. Learning not, stepping outside of the box and standing up in front of uh, people and preaching this is a lot more challenging to your ego and to your nerves and to your willpower uh, than it is to talk about, you know, how to, you know, create an efficient motor unit or whatever, uh, whatever people are talking about these days. I think that is the problem. And, you know, people ask me all the time and, and, and you, you might even be getting to this point. People ask me all the time, like, is this where strength and conditioning is going? And quite frankly, I don't think this is where strength and conditioning is going unless human nature starts to behave differently. I think that, I think that this is where strength and conditioning should be going. I think the people at the top of the pecking order will end up here uh, because this is high level strength and conditioning, but the vast majority of the industry is going to balk when they open up principles of neural science, uh, a 2000 page book uh, that outlines the entire neurological system. The, the, the strength and conditioning coach who uh, does not really want it that bad is going to balk at the, at purchasing that book. That's interesting. That's a, that's a really good way to, to, to put it in perspective there. So, you know, it's making me think a lot of, and I don't know if you've read it. I think we talked about it, Thinking Fast and Slow by uh, Daniel Kahneman. I have not um, read that. Where he talks about how, I don't know if you've heard of like the concept of like ego depletion, 
where okay. there's a bunch of studies and a bunch of books. So I'm sure you've read it because it's been referenced in like four books I've read in the last couple of months. But um, sure. someone's given uh, sweets in front of them and they're told not to eat them. And okay. they have to sit there for 10 minutes and not eat them. And then they're given a series of hard, like unsolvable problems. And they give up more quickly than the people that were allowed to eat the sweets. And oh, so essentially, right. like you're using your slower system. So Kahneman breaks into system one, system two where we make intuitive judgments, snap judgments. We don't do any deep thinking. We just, boom, do something. Um, they're saying that in the sense, ego depletion is you're using up the system two, which is more deep thought to resist sure. eating things. And then when you have to continue to use system two to answer these problems, boom, system, you know, system one just kicks in and you just give up. You know, yeah. because you just utilize a lot of your willpower on not eating the cookies. So it's, no doubt. Uh, and it makes me think of, when we get, you know, Joe strength coach coming out of, of college and they've been given all the basic information, like we just talked about, about muscles and how to call right. muscle mass and all this type of stuff. Um, then you present them with this and that takes a lot of system two deep thinking to piece your way through. And we just, like you said, we don't like doing things that are hard. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. I mean, I think at the end of the day, uh, not everybody gets into this industry for the right reasons. I think it's probably safe to say that anybody listening to your podcast, at least on some level, has those right reasons. But it's really a matter of how bad do you actually want it, right? Uh, I mean, you look all across the industry, and it's just the pecking order all the way to the top is just whoever wanted it the most, whoever was most willing to, you know, burn what they used to know or, or try to learn something new and really try to get down to the bottom of things and the answers. Uh, that's always going to be your top, and then it's just going to be slowly, like we talked about last night, it's going to be the drifters. It's going to be the people who uh, popped on a little bit too much Netflix. It's going to be the people that, uh, you know, what's this one on Netflix now with this tiger guy? <laughs> you seen this? Well, I'm ashamed to admit, I watched two episodes of that last night. So. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, well, the tiger guy is, uh, is, is taking Netflix by storm. So uh, maybe I'll have to pop on and watch it too. But you know, like that, that it really does. It's, it's how far have you drifted away and how willing, how much do you love it? Maybe you're not even in the right field if, if that's, if that's the case, but let's not go down that road. No, no. Yeah. We can, we don't have to, we don't have to shit over. <laughs> let's reel me in Jack. Reel me <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's talk, uh, let's talk some of these, um, you know, these, these systems that you're putting in place. Um, the first one that I want to discuss was the brain since it is the most important and sure. just kind of your overall look at neurology and how it controls the other systems that a lot of times we tend to, probably think about first. Sure. Uh, so again, like I think it's really easy to uh, look at the stuff that we've learned and look at a test and retest situation. And one example I always give, so I give a lot of uh, in-services presentations here at gyms in New York City, and I always say this. I always say, okay, uh, let, let, me, let, me, uh, let me bring somebody up here right now, uh, somebody who has tight hamstrings per se. And then I bring them up to the uh, I bring them up to the front of the room, and he go they go down and they touch their I say hey, let's just go down and touch your toes and I'm trying to find somebody like if somebody's palming the floor this isn't really going to work because they're a little hypermobile uh, so I'm trying to like uh, I'm, of course I'm trying to pick the right person here uh, but this this applies for everybody just not for my demonstration so uh, I, I find somebody who's got tight hamstrings and I say all right touch the floor and then what I do is I have them close their eyes and I say all right let's think about a time your favorite time of year and a lot of people say. Christmas, a lot of people say summer, and then I'm like, just think about it. Think about being there right now. Really put yourself in that position. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. Feel the sun on your skin. You know, what are you drinking? What are you, what are you, who are you with? Who's there? What are you wearing? Stuff like that. And really try to put them into that, into that actual place. And then what happens is I open their eyes and, uh, and then I say, go down, touch your toes again. And every single time they got like six inches more. So then I say, all right, well, what if, I said, okay, like this isn't a great place to do this. We're going to go out into the middle of Times Square, into the middle of an intersection, and then I'm going to test your, I'm going to test your range of motion in the middle of the intersection. What do you think would happen? And nine times out of, not even nine, 10 times out of 10, you're going to be a whole lot stiffer because what's really happening here is that the body has uh, this thing that I have termed the neurological emergency break, which is simply put, it is the amount of threat that your brain is perceiving in your environment right now. And if there's a lot of threat, it's going to slam on that emergency break. We all know what it feels like to try to punch off of a, uh, you know, the traffic light and you've something's kind of funky about the way you're driving. And then you realize that the e-brake is on. If you're, if your body is perceiving threat, the e-brake is on, you're not going to have your power. You're not going to have your mobility. You're not going to have your athleticism. You're not going to be as good as you possibly 
we can be. But if there's no threat, that's where you're going to have all your mobility, all of your power, all of your athleticism. That's, that's the day you go to the weight room and you're squatting way more than you usually do and you can't, uh, and you can't figure out why that is. It's the day when I was playing basketball, it was the day that I would be going in and I could do like windmill tomahawk dunks when usually I could just do, you know, random, you know, just basic one handers or something like that. Uh, and you know, I think uh, most people either don't want to look deep into that, or maybe they'll just say it happens at random, but nothing in the body happens at random. And most of this is dictated in the brain. Uh, and, uh, the more time you spend around an NBA basketball player, more time you spend around an MLB player, they're just different. They're just different. These, these guys can stand on a free throw line in front of 24,000 and not be elevated in their heart rate. They, these guys, these pitchers can stand uh, at Yankee Stadium in front of 60,000 people and hit a glove like that really easily. Like These guys are not upregulated from a neurological perspective. So if you want to talk bang for your buck on training and something that you should be training way more than anything else in the weight room, it is neurology. You want to build resilience uh, to your ability to manage the threat inputs coming in at all times so give me just a few examples like i know where you're going with this because i've been in the club for a while and we've talked a bunch about this but just for the <laughs> listeners give me some examples of things you would do maybe to to train that in the in the weight room so what you have to understand is you have to understand the way that the body reacts to that threat and that input so really simply put uh you're gonna arch your back you're Tips are going to come forward. Your ribs are going to come out. So what you need to do is you want to look at building resilience to that neutral pattern, right? So if your ribs are neutral, they're, they're down, they're flush, your hips aren't anteriorly tilted or posteriorly tilted. They're right in the middle. You have all that action. You want to find out the muscles that are going to uh, resist that we'll call it extension pattern, threat pattern, stress pattern, whatever you want to call it. You got to find those muscles. Those are your obliques. Those are your hamstrings. Uh, these are tissue restrictions and posterior rib cage, tissue restrictions on one side or the other, capsular restrictions. You just have to go in and find what is prevent, what, what, what could possibly prevent you from doing that. And that's where you want to build your strength and resiliency. You don't want to just randomly throw strength into the body. You want to understand uh, that the way uh, a neutral brain, a neutral neurology actually exists is in fluid motion from right side to left side, left side to right side. That is what somebody who is not, who does not have the neural emergency brake pressed down, that is how that person's going to uh, express their movement patterns. So you want to build resiliency and resistance to that, to that stressful pattern. So uh, that's where really good strength and conditioning comes into play, where you're going really heavy on unilateral hamstrings, really heavy on unilateral abs, really heavy on making sure that you are inhibiting the other side at the exact same time. And what's really cool about that is we can utilize really normal strength and conditioning problems to deal with the stress of everyday life, where you got the coronavirus going on right now. If that's stressing you out, you can literally train your adductors to, re to resist uh, that stressful frustration feeling that's not a joke like you can really do that so um this this kind of gets me into two questions one i'll just we'll just stick on this for now because this is what's really been intriguing me and i've been thinking sure. about a lot lately um weight training i'm like i understand the value and why we use it but i think it comes at a tremendous cost which is i think something you're referring to right now especially mm -hmm. and so i think instead of throwing so much stress like we've been talking about and so much um you know, just tissue grinding and mechanical tension into the body. Let's pick and choose our battles. It makes exercise selection that much more important. It means we really need mm -hmm. to narrow in the amount of exercises we're choosing because I, I just, I've been really diving into Darian Barr, a sprint coach who, who talks about this a lot with sprinting, letting gravity do the work for you when we sprint. And I think if we just <clears throat> impose all this mechanical tension into the body, um, right. It, all of a sudden the natural fluid athleticism that somebody might have, we might be deprived of them of that. So we have to be really careful with Definitely. what we're doing in the weight room. Would you agree Definitely. with that? Well, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I think that's what classic strength and conditioning was really all about is just building strength in these like classic, uh, you know, system wide tension is not good for anybody unless you are a deadlift, uh, Olympic weightlifter or a strongman or something like that. Uh, you know what? I think honestly, the most 
I don't know the word I'm looking for here, but the most uh, telling, the most impactful thing that you can learn uh, is, is, especially if you're training athletes, is look at the athletes in, at the highest level. Like when I say that NBA players are skinny, like you can't, like I'm not going to use a name here, but when I worked for the Lakers, we had somebody on our team who was known around the NBA as the strongest dude in the league, okay? Like bullying dudes for his entire career, all right? Uh, I mean, he was an absolute, like an absolute NBA strongman. And I, man, I remember sitting there in the weight room. He walks in and he grabs 80s for the, for the dumbbell, dumbbell press. He's going to dumbbell bench press. Uh, and I was like, okay, here comes. 80s really I can I can do 80s right and uh and he goes in and he and he bench presses 80s struggles struggles for five puts him down and says that's too much for me I'm out okay so I'm so like I in my head like I'm thinking like okay here's this guy who's maybe strong relative to the NBA but he's not strong to you and I Jack you could probably do 80s easy you could crush five right everybody listening here can more than likely crush uh, at least five reps on 80 pound dumbbell bench press uh, and he, here's this guy in the NBA who's known as the strong man in the league who can't do that and I think it's just you know like uh, how comfortable are you like have like making that statement and saying that you don't really need to bench press uh 300 pounds you don't like the 185 pound uh, uh nba combine bench press test are you kidding me like what is that what are you showing me here what what could that possibly tell me right can katie, and, can katie still uh not get one of those there's no <laughs> yeah, like, way there's no yeah. way in hell and, and i I, ha- I know another guy i know another guy in the nba right now and he was an all-star this year i was in the weight room with him in charlotte as dumbbells actually almost collapsed on his face as he was inclined bench pressing 40 pound dumbbells i swear to you and it's like, you just have to see these things. You have to be realistic. I always say, Jack, that my, the, the best, the single best quality of my, <clears throat> of my strength and conditioning resume is the fact that I can be objective about any situation. <clears throat> I can step back. I can see the situation for what it really is. I don't have an ego in this. All I want to see is what works, what gets it done. And this is what I'm seeing. And, and there is no way I will stand up here. There, there are some things that are arguable in our, in our industry. I, this is not one of them. There is no way if you looked and you were realistic about looking at the bodies of professional athletes in at least basketball and baseball, that you can tell me that system wide tension, uh, or, you know, bench pressing 300 pounds, man, I could go on for days. I have so many people popping into my head right now about the ridiculously easy, ridiculously stupid workouts that these guys do. And they are making $50 million every single year. I just, I just can't even, I can't even with that Jack. <laughs> well, I remember. So when I was with the bills, uh, for a season and you know I'm sitting there watching and obviously in the in football it's a little different you do need to lift weights and stuff like that to, to, of course of course of, of course um, but you'd watch some of these like defensive backs who are not necessarily they don't need it quite so much I think now right. you know but then I remember watching them like these guys move like shit and then you know I was thinking about it a few years later and I'm like they don't move like shit because when they're on the field, they do things I couldn't dream of. They right. just move like shit in general patterns that I know. Right. Like, right. You know? right. So. Of, what, of what we've deemed to be acceptable and, and exactly. deemed to be, you know, like, I, I, you know, it's funny. We, we talk about when I first got into strength and conditioning, one of the big things, one of the big correctives was for ankle dorsiflexion. Well, I can tell you that two of the highest jumpers ever in NBA history, ever, ever, world famous zero degrees of dorsiflexion yeah so you're like hmm you know it makes you wonder man it makes you wonder <laughs> well and and darian talks about this a lot if you don't follow darian you should probably look he's he's fascinating i know you're kind of on the yeah. entrepreneur side right now but he always talks about this he goes when the shin angle is done dropping on an acceleration or a move to the hoop you're done you pick that foot up and move on to the next one like your right. range is your range and if i create more your body might not know what the hell to do with it <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Seriously. Preach from his, from his lips to God's ears. <laughs> um, uh, no. So, so now let's dive into the, 
you've talked a lot about the unilateral training. Let's, let's talk about, let's take it from a static to a dynamic. So maybe talk a little bit about why you're going to favor unilateral over bilateral training for heavy movements and then translate it maybe to gait and walking and then maybe even into sprinting. I know that's a lot, but sure. I <laughs> yeah. mean, you know, I mean, it really all channels into one, you know, I don't think uh, I, I, you know, I don't know that I would necessarily say that I favor unilateral over bilateral. I think the way I would, I would phrase it would be saying that, uh, specific to the people that I deal with uh, and, and really uh, I'm talking about everybody who is not uh, a strong man or an Olympic weightlifter or somebody who's like really, really need. Somebody asked me about rowers uh, the other day and I, and I didn't really have a good answer for them. So, uh, you know, if I had to sit down and think about it, maybe rowers would fall into this category as well. Uh, but the way that the body's structured, it's asymmetrical, right? We got a diaphragm that's stronger, bigger, uh, heavily more heavily attached on the right side than it is on the left side uh i mean i I got i got this great picture that that uh you've i'm sure you've seen me post it a million times uh and then there's a liver on your right side that uh we'll keep this really simple here we got a liver on the right side that makes the diaphragm sit a little higher on the right side than it does on the left and with that uh the diaphragm fibers on the right side shorten a little bit and uh if you're a strength and conditioning coach personal trainer you should know that when the when the fibers of a muscle shorten it's just easier to contract right uh so uh, over the course of your day as you take in roughly 22 24 25,000 breaths every single day you're just always slightly twisting into that uh into that right side favoritism right you're just twisting a little bit to the right 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 and over time the right side gets really strong the left side gets really weak uh left side won't turn on right side won't turn off and because of this if i were with the understanding of the way that the human body every human person that's listening to me right now is like this uh or, you know, I, I guess there are some people that have uh, their organs flipped. I think it's called in situ inversus, but you're still asymmetrical regardless. Uh, if you are, every person who's listening is asymmetrical. So now if I drop down to a squat, am I really getting a 50-50 split on both sides? The answer is absolutely not, right? There's, you, again, you can't argue that because that is, that's the anatomy of the body. So if I squat down uh, in a bilateral squat, bilateral deadlift, bilateral bench press, uh, I am just driving the groove deeper onto that right side uh, bias. And when I look at basketball, when I look at baseball, when I look at sprinting, when I look at uh, what optimal health is in a human body, it is all in good quality gait mechanics. It is all the ability to be on the right side, then the left side, and then the right side, and then the left side. Uh, so I want to get away from that. I want to get away from grooving, grooving myself over to the right side. I want to make sure that the left side catches up first and foremost. And then I want to make sure I'm going right side, left side, right side, left side, because given the anatomy of the body, there is no such thing as, in a, as a bilateral exercise because everything that you do bilaterally uh, is going to bias you even further over to the right side. So bilateral with, with that stuff in mind, unless you're a strong man, unless you're potentially a rower, uh, none of these, it just makes no sense. If you look at golf, you look at pitching, you look at hitting a baseball, you look at running up and down a basketball court, you look at sprinting, all of this stuff is right stance, left stance, right stance, left stance, right stance, left stance. Uh, and I, bilateral exercises are counterproductive to your, uh, to your progress there. And again, you got to stand out there on that olive branch, right? You got to stand out there and uh, actually olive branch probably isn't the right one. I think that's the, that's the helping hand, but you got to stand out there on that limb, right? You're, <laughs> there you're, it is. You're, you're standing, you're standing out there uh, and you got to be the one to say like this exercise squat and deadlift uh, is, is, is you know not helpful in these situations uh and and you, you ever see the uh, you ever see the meme on on instagram where the guy's sitting with a cup of coffee at the table and it says like <laughs> here's my opinion change my mind yeah yeah deadlifts don't work that well change my mind <laughs> well i'm you not know? gonna argue with you so uh, we yeah. uh, we have nowhere to go on that so <laughs> um uh, no so so this is one thing that i have been thinking a little bit you do you not think so let's just take it from the weight room to like get actual gate here. Um, and you can honestly like go into some of the anatomy if you want to, like I'm, okay. I'm still, um, you know, familiarizing myself with it. I'm not like able to have like a casual conversation without thinking really hard about it. So, okay. um, uh, um, uh, when we are walking to when we are sprinting, is there any different, like, obviously we, we ideally we want to get into left and right stance. But is anything right. changing uh, anatomically from walking to sprinting? Or do you think it's pretty much the same? Because, I mean, the reason I say that is, is just because in walking, we usually always have one uh, or both feet are on the ground at some point, And then in sprinting, they're not, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, I will, I'll say that I'm absolutely by no means a running mechanics guru. Uh, you know, off the top of my head, you know, we, I would say that the difference, like the first few things that came to my mind would be, uh, you know, the capacity of your energy systems. You know, uh, we're trying to look at if you're sprinting versus training for walking, I want to make sure that you can maintain that mechanical uh, fluctuation. Wow, that was nice. Mechanical fluctuation, right? I've never used that term in my life. Uh, you want to maintain that mechanical fluctuation, right stance to left stance, uh, over with, through duress, through that stress over the course of your race, um, while oxygen is being depleted from your system you want to make sure that that is that is being handled i would imagine that there's a pretty significant sympathetic upregulation uh <clears throat> with sprinting versus walking uh that there's going to be have to be an added level of resistance to that if you want to maintain that uh mechanical fluctuation uh and and and, and so on and so forth but you know I, as far as like feet off the ground and stuff like that i mean that's a, that's out of my wheelhouse man like i i don't I've, okay. I've just never done that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I've, I'm kind of going down that rabbit hole a little bit myself. So I'll let yeah, you know. I know you're I a sprint guy. Anything. I love sprint. Dude, well, man, this yeah. is, this has been perfect. Like I haven't touched a weight in like a month and a half. Like Dude, I just look at you out there, man. Palm <laughs> trees. Unbelievable. Dude, I'm living, living the dream. Uh, <laughs> really am. Really am. Uh, so then take this to the NBA side of things. So obviously you said like, they're very good at keeping that um, neurological emergency break off. And they're good at being fluid athletes, um, you know, in spite of us desiring to put all this mechanical tension into their body. Yep. What are they from a gait perspective? And just not, I know, obviously we know they're good, but when you're watching them with gait and all that stuff, is this something they're just naturally good at? And it just, a lot of this stuff just happens. Yeah. I mean, so <clears throat> these guys, uh, they all move like you can't even believe. You get them on a test for a table test. I mean, they're dropping all over the place. They're, they got all the mobility they ever need. And, uh, and it's, it's unbelievable. I worked in baseball, and, and uh, had the guys who could throw the hardest always moved the best. And now none of them had any idea how to get there. I, I like to use my brother as an example of this all the time. My brother is a former Major League Baseball player, pitched for the Red Sox, pitched for the Twins, Pirates, Mariners. Uh, and... Uh, he could throw as hard as 102 miles an hour. Okay. So my, my man could throw some cheese <clears throat> and, uh, and we would get him on the tests in the off season for, for, you know, for his workouts and stuff. And he was incredible. I mean, his movement was supreme and it, my brother hates working out. He loves to play video games, loves to play Fortnite, loves to play Madden, right? He's, you know, he's every time going to the workout, he's just like, oh, I hate this. Like, this is brutal, right? <laughs> Sean, uh, you, you, you became one of these people? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and he's just, you know, and he just, you know, he just kind of floated around through life, you know, getting the awards and, and uh, becoming an all-man. American being drafted in the first round and all of a sudden he's just like oh geez like, I'd be like dude you you're man your AFIR on your left side is incredible and he's like whatever <laughs> shut up and uh and like he has no idea he has he doesn't care and you know the reality of it is that like most of these guys are like that they don't understand how you uh how you got there uh you know for somebody like me who's a lot more high, you know upregulated it was a lot harder and I'm sure it's a lot harder for me to get into those neutral patterns and and good movement mechanics uh, I would needed a much more significant uh weight training program around single leg mechanics and neurology in order to allow myself to be a resistant to be able to resist the inputs in my mind uh but you know the the, the thing is is it's like you know there's just it's like some commonalities amongst these these professional athletes and you know what the, the the here's here's a here's a good indication i knew my brother was going to be a good baseball player uh like a like he was a high level athlete in high school when he won like state player of the year like new jersey state player of the year it's solid right and like i was like oh man i i have a, i would frame that put that plaque right up on my wall and he threw it under his bed right and it's like and, and and like that level of not caring is so conducive to high level athletics uh, only because you have access to everything. The neural emergency break is always off standing up. Now he can go stand out uh, in front of 40,000 at Fenway park and hit a glove and hit a mitt and hit a mitt because he's not that upregulated on the ground on the field doesn't mean as much to him. And it's not about not caring. It's not about, 
you know, applying less meaning. It's about having that a capacity to move. It's having access to everything on top of the fact that you're already a genetic freak, right? These guys are unicorns. Uh, like, the, like you can't even imagine how good these guys are. They, they're the total package. Uh, but, you know, most of these guys, yeah, they have no uh, – I would, I would venture to say that 100% of them have no idea how they got there, no idea how they're able to make all this happen. Yeah. They've just always kind of been that way. This is the classic, and I, maybe you brought this up. I think it was might have been you a few months ago. This is the classic Kobe versus Shaq argument. Yeah. Where Kobe's like, well, if Shaq trained like me, then he'd be the best of all time, but he's yeah, lazy. Yeah, and so I think that's didn't. garbage. I think that's BS because as soon as Shaq starts caring like that, there goes his ability to be an athlete. There goes his uh, ability to uh, – you know, there goes his ability to move fluidly. I mean, that guy's probably the most incredible mover of all time, seven foot one. And one of the best athletes our planet has ever seen. You know, I, I 100% believe that if he worked as hard as Kobe, he would be a much worse basketball player. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why if we talk about this kind of culture that we've created in sport right now, like that along these lines of hard work always wins right. and boom, boom, right. boom. I think it's probably a big reason why we probably lose some very elite athletes on the, along the way here when we talk 100. about I cannot begin to imagine how many careers have been absolutely ruined by uh, a poor set of neurology. Yeah. Um, uh, so for me then, I guess, like, the last thing I wanted to ask you, this is kind of a nitty-gritty one, so if you're not sure, it's totally fine, but – what do you mean? I'm always sure. Um, uh, so Zion, all this talk's being made about Zion and his yeah. and we got to change his walking pattern. Uh, is this a is this a classic example here of, of what we're talking about, or is this like yeah, legitimate? Like the yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Is he going to change <laughs> his walking pattern? Are you no. kidding me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know no. what I mean. Like, I, so here's the th- here's the thing with the NBA, and uh, you know, I, I sit here and I watch Stephen A. Smith sometimes, and. You know, however, yeah, seriously, these guys, the media, they're just fed this, this load of crap. When, when I worked in the NBA, if somebody got hurt, if something happened to somebody, the first, as soon as the trainer went back to the locker room, the PR person went with them and then they'd crafted a story of what they're going to tell the media. It happened every single time. So everything that we know is what they want us to know. And, you know, it, I, like it's who's going to change the way Zion walks. Like you're going to sit there, you're going to pre get on your hands and knees. You're going to pray that he can somehow stay healthy. You're going to give him the best uh, program that you can possibly give him. Uh, you know, you're going to look at the flaws. You're going to see where you can intervene. Uh, and I'm sure there's places to do that, but you know, I mean, that sounds really good, right? It makes people happy. Okay. They're going to change the way he walks. He kind of has that, you know, side to side shuffle and people can probably get on board with the fact that that's needs to change. And, uh, but no, nobody's ever going to, change the way he walks and quite frankly why the heck would you want to change that system he's a freak yeah you know? and if you're i mean dr keith Barr gave a great presentation a little while ago. i don't know if you know a lot about him he's um like a big tendon guy and yeah. he talks about how like you know tendons we do want some compliance there and a lot of these athletes are so stiff that we want to so we're just talking about some health-based related interventions to yeah, let's just build him some resiliency about. man let's just yeah. get him tuned up let's get him <laughs> i'm sure he you know, this is, I, I, I don't want to talk crap on any place. So I'm not going to, uh, but I know that Zion Williamson's strength and conditioning history is probably less good than we would have maybe preferred if you're a Pelicans fan. Uh, and yeah, but there's a lot of room for improvement there. Tighten, tighten up the screws. Yeah. And then, I mean, I mean, that, I think you can say that about a lot of top tier, especially in the NBA with the AAU model. Like, these guys right. are just playing so much. And I think development – and, again, like, development in the right way is definitely on the back burner. So. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what it's all about? I mean, what I think people lose sight of uh, is, is that it's really all about the sport, right? And we'll just say that we're working for athletes here. Uh, like, it's all about performance on the field, and I think strength coaches lose sight of that. And, you know, I understand that, that we have a job to do, and there's, you know, you know – barometers for what success is you know to our superiors like i i understand that um but you know ultimately what we're trying to get after is is success on the field and if you look if you know if you know your stuff you can back it 
it up to your superior. You can show them how it works. If you really are confident, you really understand how the body works and what actually creates performance, you can back it up when you're talking to these people. But again, we're out on that limb, right? Like, are you comfortable uh, standing up to these people? Like, great example. When I worked in baseball, I worked in, I worked in minor leagues for five years and, uh, we used to, we used to, we used to just, I used to try to have as much fun with these guys as I possibly could. It's a 160 game season. And I mean, you're playing every single day in the minors. I'm out in like Iowa, Wisconsin, Montana, God's Idaho, country, man. right? Yeah. We were out there. <laughs> we were really out there. Uh, so I, I used to do a bunch of stuff where, where just to, just to get guys to have fun, we would do this thing. We would do techno stretch where we'd bump music on the, uh, on the loudspeaker. And then we would just, I would just stand out there and make an idiot of myself, uh, you know, fist pumping and just having a good time. Uh, we would do this thing where uh, we used to call this thing called major league Mondays because in the big leagues, guys are kind of iffy on whether or not they uh they actually pay attention to you during your stretch uh so we do this thing major league monday where i said look i'm going to stand out here and i'm going to stretch myself i'm going to go through the stretch routine you do not have to pay any attention to me whatsoever you can do whatever you want you can go and guys and guys loved it because they would take i was like get crazy with it really have fun and guys would like go on top of the dugouts they would go out into center field and they would just do something i said look the only rule is we're gonna if we can keep doing this you just have to do something you have to keep stretching right and guys loved it they loved going out there for major league money and the other strength coaches on the other side i pray to god somebody that was on the other side is listening to this right now because uh, they're gonna remember this and they're gonna be like oh my god that guy has lost all control of his team. They are not <laughs> listening to anything he's saying. This guy, it's just an absolute joke. And my thought was like, look, like I'm just trying to have fun. Like I understand the neurology behind this. I know that I'm just trying to loosen you guys up. There is a value to warm up. So you got to keep doing it. But, uh, you know, whenever a superior would come to like the general manager would come into town. Right. And now it's like, all right, Sean, like, what are you going to do, man? Like, are you comfortable enough? Are you, are you, are you really the guy who's going to say, like, stick to it and say, uh, you know, it's all about the performance on the field. It's getting these guys feeling good and doing what's right. Uh, and I felt that. I felt that internal pressure to be like, maybe I need to button it up when the GM comes into town. And I refused. I was like, never. Like, this is about the guys. This is about getting these guys ready to play every single day. I have their back before I have the general manager's back. And, you know, thankfully, there were a couple times the GM would come out and he would freaking, he would die laughing. He loved it. Uh, I'm sure there'd be some GMs who would hate it. I mean, I remember leading stretch in a in an undersized bunny costume uh, while a oh Hall of Fame baseball. There was a Hall of Fame. I swear to God, there was a Hall of Fame base, baseball player uh, with me, oh, who's one of our coaches, standing there dressed up as a pine tree, uh, helping me lead this stretch. And it was like literally, like, look, like we're trying to have fun here. Uh, we're trying to keep everybody relaxed. We got a 162 game season here. We're going to warm up. We're going to take care of business. Uh, but all I care about, my job is to make you better on the field, and that. That's what I'm going to do. That's awesome, man. Yeah, and that's, that goes right back. It buttons this up all very nicely. It goes back yeah. to just neurological training and, and allowing guys to kind of uh, – 100%. And I should, I should tell you that, that the, the year that I did the bunny stretch, uh, the pine cone stretch, the techno stretch, uh, that we did this thing called the power pose, which was completely ridiculous. Uh, we used to do this thing. Here, I'm going to tell you this story, Jack. This will be, this will be a fun one. Uh, we used to do this thing called uh, – this is amazing. Uh, it was called visualization. So in the minor leagues, what happens is a player gets sent up uh, to, you know, travels through the different levels. As you do well, you go up to, uh, you know, the next level. So when I worked in Kane County, Geneva, Illinois, we were working for the Kane County Cougars, uh, which was low A. So anytime somebody would get sent up to us, we, the, we had this all well-orchestrated and set up where the pitching coach would come up to me in the middle of like, in the middle of like the stretch and he would say, Sean, you, I think today's a really good day for visualization. And every single player knew what that meant, except the new guy who just showed up. So I would gather everybody together and we could get a little huddle. And I would just start rambling off this completely BS speech where I'd be like, look, I read this Duke University study a couple months back where uh, a guy you know, where, uh, you know, they said that if you lock, if you get into a. Uh, you start visualizing, you know, really putting yourself in the batter's box or on the pitcher's mound and visualizing success. 
it, it actually works. There's actual research and, and, and analytics behind it. And it's, it's really amazing. It's really good. Uh, but the only rules is that you really have to eliminate distractions. So what I'm going to have everybody do is I want everybody to get in a really big circle and then everybody would get in a really big circle. I would say, what I want you is I want you to get face down on the grass, put your head in your elbow and, and really try to block out the light because the more light that's in there, the more distracting, the less this isn't, this is going to work. And I'll say, guys, I know this sounds ridiculous. I know this sounds crazy, but I, I can't explain it. We have won every single time we have done this. Last time we did it, you know, John over here threw a, almost threw a no-hitter. This is really awesome, guys. It's, it's, it's been so effective for us. Let's give it a shot. Then everybody would line up in a big circle, and then I would start spewing some more BS. I'd be like, think about yourself in the batter's box, right? Think about yourself uh, as, you know, as you're uh, stepping up to the plate. Like, what does the pitcher look like? What does it feel like on the ground? And about 60 seconds into it, every single player who knew what I was doing would stand up and walk away, except for the one guy who was still, who was still, uh, <laughs> who was brand new to the team. And he'd just be laying in the middle of center field uh, with his head facing the grass. Uh, and then I would say, all right, guys, we're going to do 60 seconds of, of just guided self visualization, really try to lock in here uh, and, and, you know, really pretend like you're trying to get this. You're, you're in the middle of the game right now. So I would say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut up, and then in 60 seconds, I'll let you know. And then I would go stand on the sideline with the rest of the team and just wait for this idiot out in center field <laughs> to, uh, to realize that he's the only one out there. And then we would eventually we'd give him a round of applause and stuff like that. And, uh, but, you know, like, it's stuff like that. And, and, you know, the year that we did this, guy, like, we, we won the championship. Uh, we, we won the Northwest League title, and you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say you know, that that is the reason why it happened. We had a ton of good players and you know, uh, how much impact do strength coaches do I really have? I have really no idea. Uh, but Hey, you know, we did win the, we did win the title that year, professional baseball championship. So, uh, you know, things, things, things were working. So, uh, so you're telling me my next job, I need to buy a lot of costumes. That's what, that's what I'm getting. Look, I, this is what I'm saying. I'm saying, honest to God, like re, if we're really talking strength and conditioning here, uh, you know, I don't want this to get lost in Sean's being a little funny guy and he's, you know, a little trickster on the job. You know, what I really want you to see is that what I'm doing here is I'm, I'm producing fun. And when uh, – Fun is maybe the most underrated aspect of a, of a weight room uh, at our strength and conditioning program out of anything that you could possibly do. Too, too often, strength coaches out there are creating a disciplinarian-style weight room where, where I like to call it TSS. You have toy, toy soldier syndrome. Are you walking around the weight room like a toy soldier getting really stiff, packing your neck on every exercise that you do and you know pulling your shoulder blades back and becoming a toy soldier as you walk around the weight room? Uh, and if you're doing that, you're, you're creating that system-wide uh, rigidity that we talked about. Uh, things are not, you're not going in the right direction, but the more fun that you can have there, the looser there are, the less threat that's happening in the body. Uh, and you don't have to dress in a bunny costume. You can do something else. Uh, God. But, you know, like this, this is, this is, that, that's me, man. This is Sean. Like this is, this is what's comfortable for me. This is, ha this is who I am. And I, and I just, I just, you know, I steer in that direction. But uh, yeah, I'm telling you, you would, you could probably, most people could probably, I would say, I would say 95% of the strength and conditioning and personal, well, let's call it strength and conditioning community because personal training is a little bit different. 95% of the strength and conditioning uh, community uh, would lose to me in a, in a four-week program at improving somebody's numbers, and I won't even touch a weight. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just have fun. And if I, I'll, I'll pro, we might have to touch some weight just to keep you fresh. Uh, <laughs> uh, who am I kidding here? You got to touch some weight. Uh, as I was saying that, I was like, you idiot, you got to touch something. Uh, uh, hey, you're so just, you're trying look, stuff out here, you know? Yeah, I am. But, but you, you, as long as you just stay hot, like I won't, I won't go max reps. I won't do anything like that. I won't, I won't do any like plyos or any stuff like that. I will just make sure that you, you keep what you got. Uh, and then we will uh, just have fun the rest of the time. I guarantee it. Guarantee it. Who no, wants to try me? I learned that, uh, I think, a lot my first year being a director at the D3 level. I, you know, yeah. Especially at the D3 level. It's like, these kids are here to play sports sure. and, and not do anything else, you know, and drink no on doubt. the weekends, you know. And, no doubt, um, no doubt. And you learn that pretty quick. Like, you just can't be that way. Or, yeah. like, and, you know, especially if you have feel as a coach, which I think is another big issue. Like, a lot of these strength coaches just don't have any feel. Like, if you, <laughs> you know, like, I, I hate to yes. say Here we are just yes. shitting all over everyone. Um, yes. um, uh, but, yeah, like, if you don't have feel, you don't pick up on that. And you just keep doing what you're doing. Like, right. for me, just got to like, be a I, dude. Just got to be a real person. Yeah. 
Be yeah. a human being. Yeah. You know, I, we gave us talk at up at Holy Cross College uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, somebody asked me something, and I was like, "You just got like, uh, just got to be a cool dude, you know? Like, I'm just, I'm out here, I'm one of the guys. Like, I'm just, I'm, you know, what's going on today? Like, you know, how are things? Everything good? You know, I, you know, I always said that the the biggest indicator that I was doing things the right way was during rain delays in baseball, the guys would hang out in the weight room uh, as opposed to out their locker room, and what that was telling me was that uh, the weight room was a non-threatening place for them to be. It was a place that uh, they felt comfortable being in. And when, it, when push came to shove, when I needed them to get some hamstrings, they could get some hamstrings. And yeah. that's winning. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Yeah, and I, I think I learned that a lot at my last job with the tactical community. Like, these dudes yeah. didn't care about lifting sure. weights. They wanted someone to hang out with that wasn't in the Army and yelling at them. So, that's it. You know? 100%, man. Um, uh, all right, so with our last little bit here, let's switch over into the 4A side of things. This was great. Yep. Thank you so much. Um, of course. Um, uh, so just kind of take me into – what your vision is for that. And then um, we can obviously talk about a little bit about entrepreneurial stuff, which I think, you know, I myself have never been particularly attuned to that, but like, even right. after last night, I was like, I kind of like where this is going, you know? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, 4A Health, that's my company. And basically what we do is we're, we're using education uh, as the vehicle to help people find success in their career. It is, you know, I look back at my career and, uh, you know, I, st- I became, I was certified in 2012, uh, got my CSCS. I got my first job in 2013 uh, and I was the bottom of the totem pole in minor league baseball. I was making $23,500 a year. And, you know, I personally and you know, Jack, you, you know me now, like, uh, I am like, I'm like allergic to being low on the totem pole. I'm allergic to not being successful. Uh, and I just went, I went completely ham in, in education. I took so many courses. I invested in everything that I could possibly invest in, uh, to better myself. Uh, and in, from 2013 to 2016, I went from a CSCS and nothing to standing at Staples Center, center court, stretching, working out, training, being paid to train the Los Angeles Lakers. And to be honest, you know what I what, what people tell me, and and I'm like, you don't understand how idiotic I was in 2013 and how little I actually knew. Like I thought the biceps femoris was right here. I thought those were your guns, right? Like I, I, I don't think people, people understand how, how that happened. And, uh, you know, I just, I just locked in and I, what I want people to see is that everybody, I can't tell you how many calls and, and, and messages that I get asking me how to make it to the NBA. And I tell them, and tell me, look, I give them the answer every single time and nobody's done it yet. And it's like, uh, you know, how are we going to, how are we, how are we going to translate that? How am I actually going to communicate that? How can I pr- cr- uh, create a tool that can actually help people become successful uh, in their career? Uh, and I think that I'm a, I'm a amazing spokesman for this because I did it quickly uh, I wouldn't say easily, uh, but I, but I have, I have the experience to back it up and I can show you the way to do it. I mean, like, like we talked about it the, in the webinar last night, I can take you right up to the crossroads, but you got to take that action. So, uh, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find creative ways to, uh, spur people to take action and do things along those lines. But I mean, uh, from strength and conditioning, uh, fitness, personal training, client acquisition, uh, s- search engine optimization, blogging, and uh, uh, you know, I mean, we're we're uh, we're just we're just really trying to give everybody all the tools that they can possibly get in order to be absolutely crazy successful. It is amazing, guys. I have a, jur- I have a degree in journalism. If you're listening to this right now and you have a degree in exercise science or something, you should be dominate. You should be dominating me, right? Like I started so far behind everybody. I always think that it was it was shameful that I have ever been able to be interviewed by an NBA team because everybody who was ahead of me with an exercise science degree or another certification uh, should have blew me out of the water with the amount of effort that they were giving. Uh, But the simple fact of the matter is that people don't give that level of effort. Uh, And it's a lot easier than you think to do it, but you just have to commit and you got to lock in. You got to do it. This is another one of the willpower examples, man. I mean, like you, you give someone the tools, but if it requires like steady, consistent, like you're talking about last night, steady, consistent work that requires persistency, Right. Uh, persistence, persistence. Right. But you know what? Like, uh-huh. I, I don't want to, I don't want to say, I don't want to put all the blame on the individual. You know, I think, you know, on my end, like I want to take, I want to take a, a nice chunk of that, of that responsibility because uh, as somebody who, you know, 
is doing it and and sees it clearly, you know, it is up to me to communicate that to you in a way that you're going to be able to digest it and, and consume that. You know, I, I, it's not a matter of just, you know, you ever have a teacher that's so good at math that he's just like, you add it together and then it works. And you're like, what are you talking about? Uh, and this person's just like, he's just so smart. He just can't communicate it to you. That's on the teacher. Uh, so from my end, like it's, it is up to me to communicate that to you. And so you can see it uh, as clearly as day. Like we talked about last night in the webinar that the secret to all of this thing is that there is no secret. And that's so basic and so standard that it's, it's literally unbelievable. It doesn't register with people that that's the actual, that is that, that is actually the secret to how this thing actually works. Uh, you know, people hear all the time, you know, patience, persistence, uh, you know, you got to really want it. You got to have willpower, blah, 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 blah. Like you don't realize that that is the actual secret. Uh, and that is ultimately up to me to bring you to that crossroads, bring you to that realization. Uh, and that's, that's why that's what I'm doing. Like, that's my job. That's what I'm working on doing. That's I'm creating tools to help you get to that place and realize, come to the same realization that I came to uh, on how to, because I used to be the same way. I remember flying out to Arizona for my first spring training, think literally thinking that I was not going to take a lot of continuing education courses because I was just going to do the stuff that was easy and enough to get by. Cause I thought that was just annoying and I didn't really want to do it. But I, I came to the realization I was introduced to the right people. I learned the right stuff. <laughs> I trusted the right people. Uh, and I owe that to them. I owe that realization to them. And I need to be that, that, you know, that is my duty to be that person, uh, for everybody. That's why we do free webinars. That's why we do. Cause I'm trying to show, I'm trying to show you that if you want it, I'll take you there. No. And, 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 you know, just to kind of speak from personal experience with you, just for the listeners and everything, man, like you've completely changed my outlook on so many things over the last year. And, um, I mean, now I wake up every morning, I tell myself I'm going to be a strength coach of professional sports. Hell yeah. And it's gotten to the point where it's like, I just, it's a matter, it's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's a matter that's of when it, it's going to happen, you know? And yeah, that's um, it. The stars will yeah. align and it will happen. Yeah. No. And then just for anyone else listening, like I, I can't recommend Sean's stuff enough. I mean, he really has just from an educational standpoint, from a mentorship standpoint, just from all of it, man. You know, don't don't turn red over there. It's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, the Irish, it's automatic. <laughs> um, uh, but no, yeah, like really, man. Like just what you've done for for my career and then my understanding of the field has been has been tremendous. And I know a lot of other appreciate coaches that, brother. say the same thing. So yeah, um, no, I really appreciate that. So what about you, though? I'm interested, and I don't know how much you want to give away, but like, where are you going in all of this? Uh, as far as like my business, yeah, yeah, just like what you want, where you see yourself, um, etc. I would say that, you know, 20 years from now, uh, my business will, will have evolved past uh, personal training and strength coaches. Uh, you know, that's absolutely going to remain a part of it because that's my foundation. That's where I, where I grew up. But, you know, and, and Jack, I'm sure you can kind of see me trending in this direction. Uh, you know, uh, there's, there's so much more of an impact that I can have with the information that, that, that I have. I, I believe that one of my greatest gifts is my ability to be a public speaker uh, and, and communicate at that level and in front of a lot of people. And, and I want to be able to make that happen. I think over time, what you'll see is a, is a business that is helping people not only in fitness and strength conditioning and mastering the physical body, uh, but in entrepreneurship and, in, and in building a business, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I think those are probably the two areas where I am most uh, well-versed in right now, uh, you know, and, and, and finding success in, in those areas. Uh, but, you know, I, who, who knows where it'll go beyond that, but I do believe that in, in time that this will be a pretty large scale uh, seminar workshop online modules. I mean, we got an app in development now, which is going to really help our reach a lot uh, and so on and so forth, man. Like I, 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 I certainly don't want to limit it to, uh, I, I, Jack, I, I'll tell you this, man. Like I, I really do. I really do believe that I have uncovered the secret to life uh, and the secret to success. I, I genuinely believe that I have, I have, yeah, I don't ever want to say that I figured it out, but I believe that I found the key and I just got to keep turning it. And, uh, I so badly want to bring that to other people because my life has become incredible in the course of, you know, I would say that I, I really figured it out in the last 365 days. And, uh, you know, I, I, I want people to see that. And I know that, you know, we held the webinar last night, had a hundred people register, 46, 47 people showed up. Like I know that, uh, that's an uphill battle and how many people will actually, uh, will actually 
buy into everything fully. I know the percentage is low, but I'm, I'm holding a, I want to hold a 10,000 seat seminar uh, for the singular Jack Anderson, who's in the audience, uh, because I know that somebody out there is going to do it. And I want to be able to be the person that can bring that to them. Well, yeah. And, and, and I mean, you're, you're doing that, man. Like I think, and again, you know, everybody's on a different path and whatnot. And sure. Everybody has different desires and goals. And I think it's great. You, you, know, you think about even Connor Harris, who was my first guest on the show, yeah. who's, who's worked with you a lot too. We're two very like different people in the past. We're going, but the, the overarching principles of like what no you taught us are the same. Like we're doing the same thing. Just 100%. it looks different, you know? Yep. Yep. You nailed yeah. it, man. You nailed yeah. it. But no, Sean, thank you so much. Uh, really, really appreciate the time. What can, or where can the people find you? Um, and then just anything else you want to plug, go for it. Sure. Uh, the people, people, the you people. can find me, the people, you can find me, uh, at four a hps.com. That's my website. It's got all the information of everything I'm doing. It's the number four, not spelled out four a hps.com. You can find me on IG, uh, spewing about the heartbreaking losses of the West Virginia Mountaineers, uh, during the fall and among other random <laughs> me losing my mind during my entrepreneurial journey, uh, slight 20 on Instagram, Twitter, I think Facebook as well. Uh, I mean, it, it, you're not gonna have to look far to find me. I'm that's, that's I'm, perfect. I'm all I over the think place. Think about that. I always think S like slight, slight work. Slight. Yes, that's, people, I, I, that's been my nickname <laughs> since high school, slight. Uh, so yeah, slight 20 guys. And uh, what, what I'll say and, and I guess this is a really good place to leave it, Jack, and, and you can be a testament to this. A lot of people in the industry are looking, for, are looking for somebody to help them out. They're looking for somebody who's been to where they want to go. And, you know, I think they're all, a lot of people are a little nervous about hitting somebody up or, uh, you know, reaching out and saying, like, I, like what I'm telling, I answer every every DM that I get. I answer every single DM, every single email. I answer every single one. Uh, so if you are looking for somebody to help you out, like look no further, I will help you out. You don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to be shy. Like I do this all the time. Let's go, let's get down to business. I'm somebody, if you want to be in the NBA, I know every NBA strength coach. So, uh, here's a good relationship to build. You know, you want to, I know tons of MLB strength coaches. I know coaches all over the world. We just, we could have, we could have talked about networking, uh, but that would take me another hour. Uh, like let's, let's go. Like I, I'm here to help you. I'm here to help each and every one of you. So, uh, don't be shy. Sh shoot me a message and we'll, we'll, we'll chat. I promise you that. No, and I can attest that too. All it took was a Facebook message about a year ago. And, hey, man, that's uh, it. You were a Facebook message yeah, guy. I, was, I don't even remember I was. now. All right. Shameless. A, a, a rare Facebook <laughs> message that, that comes through. It's mostly Instagram, but uh, yeah, whatever, whatever the medium, I'll get back to you. Okay. Thank you, Sean. Really appreciate it, my guy. Appreciate it, Jack.